Well, you have to excuse me. By the time I get to the third service, it's just like it's all out praise and worship. So you don't have to excuse me at all. I love, I love that. Well, identity theft is an ever-present problem in our culture. Thieves are everywhere. They want to steal your identity, like this guy. Oh, I stole his password online, and hello. Makeover. <laughs> I got hair extensions, plumped at the lips, and snapped the hottest headshots. Hollywood, here I come. Tell me what you think. Unbreak my heart, say you love me again. Undo this hurt that you caused when you walked out the door and you walked out of my life. Walk out of my life. Everybody do that with me. You walk on. Oh, you don't. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, the rise of identity theft is really only symbolic of what's happening to people spiritually all around the world. I read this week where 250,000 people a month Google, who am I? People are searching everywhere to know what their true identity is, even on the internet. I don't know. It, are, are any of you one of those 250,000? It doesn't matter if you are. But this series has been how we try to discover our identity and who we are. We place it in all different kinds of things. And so we could actually not just close it this week. We could continue this series really for months. We could talk about how people put their identity in their children. You know, we... Uh, their academic success or their athletic ability or their good behavior. You know, somehow we find value in how good, how well our children do. Or we could talk about relationships. Do you realize that you can actually lose your identity in a relationship? You can, you can lose your identity. Or we could talk about how some people identify by their sexual orientation. It's very popular today. A lot of people say, well, I identify and then fill in the blank with their sexual orientation. This is a very common thing. People identify that way. We could talk about titles. A lot of people place their value and they have some, uh, some important titles. And there's nothing wrong with those, but they find their value in that. We could talk about intelligence or, or smarts or knowledge. We could talk about uh, how we feel dumb or we feel smart, and we put our, our uh, value in that. We could talk about disabilities. Some people define themselves by their disabilities. In our world today, there are people that define themselves by their disability. We could talk about health issues and how some people define themselves. Really, the only thing they ever talk about is what's going on in their life. And the older you get, the more you do that. <laughs> I heard someone one time just so impress me. And he said, you know what? I have cancer, but I refuse to allow that to define me. That's pretty big because our tendency with, as humanity is to look at things externally, things on the outside, and place our value in those things, not really understanding what's even going on at the deepest parts of who we are. We could continue this series forever, and the subject would change, but the message would always stay the same. When our identity is defined by anything, other than its true source. We reduce ourselves down to so much less than what God ever intended in this creation that he made. 
Today we're going to look at how religion can do that as well. You see, we make ourselves so small because we place a label on ourselves or we're striving to, to get something or striving in that direction, and we make ourselves so small, kind of like the rich young ruler who, when he came to Jesus, all he could see was what he was going to lose. When Jesus gave that wonderful offer, all the rich young ruler could see was what he was going to lose instead of trusting the love and the blessings of Jesus. And he settled for his wealth and a very small label. We don't even know his name. He was just the rich young ruler or the very smart or very dumb person. It, just a label. We reduce ourselves down so much. And we look at religion today and see how that actually can be a thief for our true God-given unique identity. Well, there was this man and he saw a sign in, uh, at the front of a house and it said, talking dog for sale. There he is. And I was on my walk yesterday and I saw a dog that looked just like that. And I looked at him and I thought, are you gonna talk to me? <laughs> And, and so the man rings the doorbell and the owner comes to the door and he says the mutt is out in the backyard if you want to go out there and, and see him. So the man goes out there and he sees the mutt sitting there and he says, so you talk? And the mutt says, yep, I do. And the man says, so what's your story? And the mutt looks up and he says, well, I discovered that I had this gift when I was pretty young. And I wanted to help the government, so I told the CIA about this, and in no time, they had me jetting from country to country to country, sitting in rooms with spies and world leaders because nobody would guess that a dog was eavesdropping, right? And I was one of their most valuable spies, eight years running. But that jetting around really got me tired out, and I knew I wasn't getting any younger anymore, so I thought I needed to settle down. So I signed up for a job at the airport. That settles him down a little bit. And so he, he did the same thing, undercover security work, but mostly wandering near suspicious characters and listening in, the mutt is telling this guy. He said, I uncovered some incredible dealings there and I was awarded this batch of medals. And then I got really tired and so I got a wife and I had some puppies and I settled down. So the man is just like, what? I am amazed. The, so he goes back in and he asks the owner what he wants for the dog. And the owner says, well, I'll take 10 bucks. And the man says, are you kidding me? This dog is amazing. Why on earth are you selling him for so cheap? And the owner says, he's such a liar. He didn't do any of that stuff. <laughs> You see, the owner missed the point. A talking dog, are you kidding me? That's pretty valuable, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> That's pretty valuable. But all he could see was that he was a liar. He placed a value on him and he missed the whole point. And when it comes to our identity and when it comes to our purpose, we tend to do the same thing. People live and die and they miss out on knowing their true God-given purpose and identity because we're so caught up and so fixated on focusing on our possessions or our careers or our children or our sexuality or our knowledge or our talents and all of those things are really, really good things. But we allow those things to define us, 
And we place our value in those things and we miss all that God has for us, his very best. Kind of sounds like the rich young ruler, doesn't it? Kind of symbolic of that. We miss it. And you know what? I suspect that God looks down and weeps over that. That we never get in touch with who he created us to be or what he created us to do in this world. See, the rich young ruler missed out on God's best. And I think that's really sad if that happens to us. Even religion can misguide us and distort our identity. Let's look at a definition for religion. It's an organized system of beliefs, ceremonies, and rules used to worship a god or a group of gods. And you say, well, I don't worship a a little god. I worship a god. Well, be really careful because how often are we actually doing that? You see, in Exodus, Exodus, God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. The Ten Commandments were the law. And the reason that God gave those Ten Commandments to Moses was because he loved his people. And he saw them getting way out of control. And he said, I love you so much that I'm going to allow your leader to come to the top of this mountain. And I'm going to hand him these ten laws. And I'm going to give them. And I love my people so much that when you take them down there, I'm going to give you a system of, of sacrifices and ceremonies that will bring them back into relationship with me. That's how much he loved people. And so he gave those laws. They had gotten so far away from what he had, the plan that he had for their lives. But did you realize that people can't keep laws? Is there anyone here that has kept every law that you have? Who's laughing? Chris. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Did you just get a speeding ticket, Chris? (laughs) How many people have ever gotten a speeding ticket? (sighs) Yeah. How many have not? Oh, many fewer. But how many of you that have not have ever broken the speed limit? Oh, how many of you lie? (laughs) We can't. We're humans. And there is absolutely no way that we can ever keep all the laws. And God loves us so much, he knows that. And so you know what he did? He had a plan from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, even before that. And he had this all planned out, and he knew that people wouldn't be able to keep that. And so he gave a new, even more powerful plan to people that he knew could not keep the law. And that plan was Jesus. It was Jesus. And when Jesus came, he said, you know what? God didn't make a mistake. I'm not coming here to do away with that law. I'm not coming here to abolish the law and the prophets and all that they've done up to this point. I'm coming to fulfill the law. And if we really try to grasp that intellectually, it just whips us by. It's hard to get that. However, as we continue, we'll see what he means. Because you see, God was saying, instead of now people that I love so much, instead of trying to keep all those rules and all those laws and all those sacrificing animals, ugh, that's awful. I love you so much that I'm gonna send the most precious that I have, 
and that's my son. And he's gonna be your perfect sacrifice. And you won't have to get your hands all messed up with that blood of animals because he's gonna do it for you. And he's gonna come to transform you into restoring you back into my original intent for you. Your true, unique identity that I knit together in your mother's womb long before your mother and father even knew that you were gonna be on this earth. I knew you and I knit you together and I have a specific identity for you and I'm giving you also a plan and a purpose for your life. People live and die and miss it because we have our eyes over here when they need to be over here. And Timothy, you know, in, in the early church, Paul continued the message of Christ and, and he was telling him, he was telling him almost prophetically some things about what was gonna happen in the future. But, you know, in our world today, if you look at our world today, and even in the church, I've been doing this for some 30 some years. And I've watched humanity, I've studied humanity, I get it, I understand it, but I've watched how the rhythms have happened in the church and how we're finding less and less value in what we do here. I suspect that even in the church today, Jesus and his plan and his purpose and his identity for each one of us is getting buried somewhere deep under all the stuff, all the stuff that we get our eyes on. And so when Paul was talking to Timothy, he was saying, Timothy, it's your responsibility to carry on this message of Christ, this message of Jesus, and having a relationship with him and what he did for us. And so he, he told him this, and you'll find it in Timothy, and see if this sounds familiar to you, because it's almost as if Paul was prophetically talking about us today. He said, in the last days, we don't know how, what the last days are going to be, but he said, in the last, that was some two. 2,000 years ago, and here we are today, in the last days, it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. People will love only themselves and their money. They'll be proud and boastful, sneering at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful to them, and thoroughly bad. They'll be hard-headed and never give in to others. They'll be constant liars and troublemakers and will think nothing of immorality. They'll be rough and cruel and sneer at those who do good. They'll betray their friends. They'll be hot-headed, puffed up with pride, and they'll prefer times to worshiping God. And they will go to church, yes, but they won't really believe anything they hear. Ouch. So let's fast forward to us today. Do we really know our God-given, unique Identity, each one of us, and the plan and the purpose that he had for our life? What does it really mean to identify as a Christian? That word has gotten so confusing. Everybody has their own definition of what a Christian is. If you're talking to somebody that's not a Christian and they say, uh, and you say, I'm a Christian, and they say, well, what does that mean? What are you going to tell them? What does that mean exactly? Because everybody has made up their own definition. Is it a set of rules that you live by? Well, I go to church and I read my Bible and I worship God. 
See, religion pushes us to measure ourselves by how well we keep the rules. How well we do what we're supposed to do. And that means then when we don't do what we think we're supposed to do, we feel like a bad person. And when we do things that we, well, I went to church today, I feel really good about that. And I, and I read my Bible. And we, when we do the things that we think we're supposed to do, we feel like a good person. Is that what it is? Is it just, am I praying enough? Am I giving enough and then I feel guilty when I don't? Am I reading my Bible enough? Is it why I go to church? Because it's just something I'm supposed to do. What would you tell that person that says, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? I don't get that word. See, religion seduces you to feel like a good person when you're doing well and a bad person if you're not living up to that standard. It's exactly like politics. Politics and religion, the two things you don't talk about when you go home because it polarizes, it divides. You know why? Because everybody lives by opinion. Everybody lives by what they feel, by opinion, and by the rules that they think everybody's supposed to live by. Politics and religion are exactly the same. And my concern is that has seeped deep into the church, clearly robbing us of our true identity and not being very effective in our world. Now, as I was preparing this and I studied human behavior for a long time and I understand human behavior, it's just a science, it's just a science. Because there are rhythms and patterns and you can read human behavior all the time. I was thinking about what is the human response to religion. And this is what I've seen. This is what we do as people. And we're all humans. We've all broken the speed limit and we all break rules. But what is the human response to religion? First of all, there's three. I came up with three things. The first one is we completely reject the rules. We say, that is a stupid rule. I don't need to follow that rule. But the problem is when we throw that dirty bathwater out, we throw the baby out too. We reject that rule and we reject everything about it and we've missed, we totally miss the spirit and the purpose behind that rule because we're so focused on the rule. Um, let me just illustrate here a good example of this. We were at staff retreat and uh, Jody and Jason are... Um, they're both on staff. So when we go to staff retreat and their two kids are homeschooled and so they go along, they go to the house, we go to Mark Batterson's house on the lake and it's amazing, it's a week that staff gets together and develops our relationships. So Gracie and Jackson were there and they're homeschooled so they go up and do uh, their homework and then at dinner time or at meal times we always get together. And so when we got together I was talking about how when I grew up, at, you, you always hate it when you hear that. When I grew up, right? But when I grew up at the table, we had these strict manners. And it was like uh, at the very beginning, each one of us had a prayer that we would pray. So we'd sit down together, somebody would pray. I still remember my prayer. It was our kind Heavenly Father, thank you for this food, health and strength, nice weather, food to eat and clothes to wear. Bless those who don't know about you. Help those who are sick become well. Amen. That was my prayer. So every time they called on me, that's what I prayed. And so then when we sat at the table, uh, we would always pass. 
we would ask, may I please have the mashed potatoes? <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. Um, and, and they would say, why sure, gay? No, I'm kidding. It wasn't like that. It was, then they'd get the mashed potatoes and they'd pass it to me. And then at the very end of that meal, we had to wait for everyone to be finished. And then I would say, may I please be excused? Because I want to go climb a tree. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. But I'd have to say, may I please be excused? So that was the rule. So when we were at uh, a staff retreat, we were sitting at the table and Colin said, I remember some woman saying, and this is all I can remember, she said, pass to the left, pass to the left, pass to the left. So we did it. Watch this. Daphne, please pass the salt. Now, Jackson could have said, that was ridiculous. And you know what? That's what's happened to some of our rules, right? We think they're ridiculous, and so we throw it away. What has happened to dinner time? Ooh. We've kind of thrown out. What was the spirit behind that rule? Well, it was cooperation. What I noticed when Jackson asked for that salt Everybody got quiet. Everybody worked together. We all looked at each other. We had relationship with each other. And if we only look at that rule and say, that was a ridiculous rule, and we throw it away, then we lose our community at the dinner table. We lose our cooperation, the skill of cooperation among relationships. And, and that's what we do in our life is we, we think these rules, so we reject them and we throw them out. And in the meantime, we throw out all the good stuff as well. The second thing that we do as humans is we just rewrite the rules. Have you ever noticed how people have taken segments of the Bible and they've taken it out and they've said, well, it means this. And the reality of it is we're only trying to make it fit what I want. That's all we're doing. We're just rewriting the rules so I don't have to feel guilty. Or we, we're rewriting the rules so it'll fit me a little bit better. And in Romans it said, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And I wonder how much you and I have exchanged some truths of God for a lie when it comes to our identity. <laughs> Or the third thing that humanity tends to do with rules is just obsess about keeping the rules. Because if I don't keep the rules, then I feel like a horrible person. And if I keep the rules, I feel like a good person. So I want to feel like a good person most of the time. So I'm going to do my best to keep the rules. That's focused on the rules and we'll never be able to keep them. You see, religion creates gods that please us. You know, in India, they have three million gods, and I believe, my theory, the reason that they have so many gods is because everybody wants their god to serve them. Everybody wants their god to please them. Everybody, and they get mad at God when he doesn't do what they want him to do. Isn't it what we do? When he doesn't answer one of our prayers, God, why are you waiting so long? God, you're such a procrastinator. God, you're not even there because I can't even, we get mad at him, don't we? Don't we here in America sort of do the same thing? We don't want to have pain. We don't want transformation that changes us. We want him to change to fit 
how we want to be. This is our response as humans. And uh, interesting story about the song that, that Rich is going to do. I, I found this song by, uh, I, I just Googled and I found a song called um, American Jesus. And it was by this band called Bad Religion. And I thought, yeah, this is it. And, and I thought, Steve is going to love this song. He even listened to it. And I said, it would be the, ah, oh, it's the most awesome guitar. So I sent it to Jody and, uh, and she found one, another song named exactly the same, American Jesus. But it was by a different band. <laughs> and that's the one they're going to do. Because when she sent it to me, I said, yes, that dropped in the box for me. But it just kind of symbolizes how we want our Jesus to fit who we are. Listen to this. the other day that I needed to pay for health and wealth, prosperity, live my life some peaches and cream. But then I took a look and opened the old book. Just saw a sad old man who was a king and served the world with such humility. American Jesus, we own him to please us. Wear a suit and a tie, have a wink in his eye, just a really neat guy. When the truth of his story is that he left all his glory to walk on wood with his hands, travel roads made of sand. Servant to man. But don't you understand? It's all about you, babe. What you think you're wearing, driving, how much money it takes to feel alive. But instead, I see a plane. The word becoming made. Not what I can do for him, for I am weak, but he is strong and faithful. Why do we need a new thing? It's the American Jesus. We only want him to please us. Wear a suit and a tie, have a wink in his eye, just so really neat. story is that he left all his glory to work on wood with his hands travel roads made of sand be a servant to man what you thinking he is like is not the same as who he is for he is nothing like the world will entertain and all his fame and fortune flash away Praise, selfishness and brain, it's all insane. It's all in vain. It's the American Jesus. We only want him to please us. Whisper all the right things. Talk a get rich quick scheme. The American dream. 
If we're really honest, we do that. We want him to be what we want him to be instead of taking the time to nurture a relationship with him because you see, I'm not religious, I never will be. But I do know relationship. And it's all about relationship. See, we do that. We create an identity of Jesus into what we want him to be. It's the biggest mistake we do in our relationships. We find someone that we want to meet our needs. And when they don't, we get all upset. And, and instead of saying, you know what, I need to learn to know who you really are. Wouldn't that be refreshing in our relationships? I'm going to take my time to learn to know who you really are, not just who I want you to be for me. It would completely revolutionize our homes and our relationships, and we do the same thing to God. We make him into somebody that he's really not because we're not taking the time to learn to know him for who he truly is because that takes time. That takes patience. That takes relationships. That means I was talking to a couple out there, and she was talking about how silent her husband is. And he can, I tested Buddy one time. He could ride all the way to Richmond and not say one word. And then as a wife, you sit there and think, well, are you mad at me? Are you in your own little world? Or what are you trying, what are you keeping from, you know, you guys have experienced that, right? And no, really, it's just silence. And sometimes we just need to sit in the silence. And, and he doesn't need to say one word to me because there's purpose in just sitting there together. And you learn how to do that and then you learn how to do a relationship where you're not getting what you want and you say, you know what, I'm not getting what I want, but you know what, I understand that God knows best and it's probably not best for me to have that right now. And we nurture that relationship. It's a relationship. See, religious Christian is an oxymoron. And if you don't know what that word is, Google it and you'll find it real quick. It's just two opposing words. It's kind of like jumbo shrimp. Religious Christian, <laughs> religious Christian does not exist because Christianity was never intended to be a religion. You'll find it lumped in. If you look up the 12 classical religions of the world, you'll find Christianity in there, but it's not a religion. It's not a set of rules. It is a man that came for our salvation, and it is a relationship. Religion is knowing about God, hearing about God, hearing about Jesus. I have a good friend that doesn't believe in Jesus, and she's heard about, all about Jesus, but she doesn't know Jesus because she doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. It's a whole different thing. And the same thing goes for these Christian things that we do. Well, I guess I'm supposed to go to church. Or, well, I guess, you know, I'm supposed to read the Bible. Don't, I don't, it's so, I don't read the Bible, but I guess I'm supposed to pray. 
Or I, I, I guess I'm supposed to be nice to people. <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to give money. You know what? Eventually, that'll all stop. And it's shown up in our culture today where you can read the blogosphere and it'll tell you why you don't have to go to church anymore. And the reason they see it that way is because they missed the purpose and the truth behind that very thing. See, eventually it'll stop. A religious person just follows the rules because when you follow the rules, you feel like a good person. And we try to change from the outside in instead of understanding that this relationship is about being transformed into his image in my heart. And it's in relationship. You see, a person that knows Jesus basks in that relationship. It's a love relationship. And what do you do with the love relationship? You say, you know what? I want to spend time with you. I want to learn to know all about you. And as you spend that time together, that person will trust a little bit more to reveal themselves. And then you'll trust that person a little bit more to reveal yourself. And as you reveal the truer self to each other, you develop an intimate relationship. We will never know how to do earthly relationships if we don't ever have a relationship, an intimate relationship with the one who created us and gave us our true identity. We will never find our true identity until we know Jesus. Until we know Jesus. You see, God said, this is the new agreement. I'll write my laws in their minds and in their hearts so that they will want, so that they'll have a desire to obey them. And I'll be their God and they'll be my people and I'll be merciful to them and their wrongdoings and I'll remember their sins no more. Can you imagine that kind of a forgiving relationship that you don't have to go back and learn to know them all over again. You just come and say, oh God, man, I really, I blew that. Jesus, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? See, God spoke this new promise, this new agreement to shift our focus away from the law and all the rules that we try to keep just to feel like a good person to a person, Jesus Christ. But we get our eyes on all of this when it really needs to be on that, Jesus. So how does religion interfere with our true identity? Well, it gets our eyes focused in the wrong places, on the wrong things. Listen, God knows how hard it is for us. And so with Jesus, in Jesus, he boiled it down and simplified it for us. Thank God that we live in New Testament time and not Old Testament time. And he said, I'm gonna make it really simple for you guys, love God, Love people, love yourself. That's it. That's what he gave us. Well, how do you do that? That's impossible. You better believe that's impossible because we can't even know love as humans unless we find the true source of love and allow the true source of love to flow through us. It's the only way you're ever gonna find true love. You won't find it in an earthly relationship until you have found the true love in a relationship with the one who is love. And the only way we can do that is through Jesus, to know Jesus. 
You know, a woman came along to a couple of the, the people in the Bible, and, and she was telling them about this encounter that she had with Jesus. And they heard it, and they sort of believed it, and they thought, well, that sounds good. But then they said to the woman, they, they saw her later, and they said to her, they said, we no longer believe just because of what you said, just because I've heard that, and somebody else told me to believe that. We know now that this man really is the savior of the world. How did they know? They experienced him for themselves. They had a relationship with the savior. See, it's only in a relationship, not by doing the rules. It's only in a relationship. And when you're in a love relationship, there's some things you're not going to do. You know what? I'm not going to cheat on my husband. I'm just not going to do that. And there are websites out there that would help me do that. <laughs> but you know what? When, when we follow Jesus, there are some things that we won't do. But it's not because I'm following a rule. It's because I love my husband. And I love myself enough not to violate my own body. It's not about following a rule. It's in a personal relationship that we love him and learn to know who he truly is. And then he allows us to see who we are. And then we can surrender those things that don't look like him. And then he transforms us into his identity, his unique and my unique identity. And in that personal relationship, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief, and we all have a thief that wants to steal our identity. The thief is only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I'm telling you, the thief wants to steal your identity, probably may be doing a really good job of it right now. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says to us, you can have God's best. You can have God's best. We were at staff uh, retreat, and we decided to work on the mission statement of Salem Fields. And we said to the staff, we said, what is it that we'll give our life to? that we can believe without a shadow of a doubt, that when we go out and we have conversation with people, this is at the very core of our being. And we came up with this. It was interesting because we broke into groups at the beginning of the week. We had, all, we had four different mission statements. And by the end of the week, we just said, let's just pray about this. Let's just let the Lord speak to each one of us and say, what will we give our life to as a unit, not just as individuals? What is that? And on Friday morning, when we came together and we wrote that up there, every staff person went, that's it. I can give my life to this. And it's simply this, to know Jesus, to know who he is, and to share real hope. What's real hope? Jesus. To anyone, everywhere. That means just like Rich, when he went to the Thai restaurant and he went to get his food, that's the only reason he was there. And the person that worked there said, well, what do you do? And he said, I'm a pastor. And she said, I don't know what a pastor is. And he said, well, we help people know Jesus. Bam. First Peter 3.15 says, 
Always be ready to give an answer for your hope and do it with respect and gentleness. And so we're being equipped, as the scripture said, we're being equipped to live this and breathe this and believe in it and know what it is so that anytime we have opportunity and we're asked, we can say, well, it's about knowing Jesus. Are you a Christian? Well, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but here's what I do know. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where I find my identity, in him. See, a love relationship then creates a desire. But here's the thing, when you really know Jesus, when you take the time to learn to know who he really is, not who you want him to be, you're gonna love him. You just will. And I can tell you that not only on the authority of God's word, but in my own personal experience from a child to this very day. I love him. And when I walk into this place, it's not because I'm doing a job. It's because I've had a week, sometimes very difficult, sometimes wonderful, but I wanna praise him. I wanna lift him up and I wanna say, Jesus, are you kidding me? You allow me to be in a relationship with you and in a relationship with God and you'll speak to me. And every morning when I get up, I go down and my chocolate milk gets before Jesus, but I make my chocolate milk, take it over, put my glasses on, and I can't wait to see what he's gonna say to me that day. And throughout that day, that keeps speaking to me as I interact in my relationship with Buddy, as I interact with my relationship with the staff. I can't wait to see what God has to say to me. You see, the Bible is useful to teach me what's true. You're not gonna Google and find truth. You're just not. You might think that that person's telling truth, but that's not where truth is found. The Bible teaches me what's true and it makes me realize what's wrong in my life and it straightens me out and it helps me to do what's right. You see, it's God's way of equipping me for this world. And so I can't wait to see what he's told me. I, I began to read it as a child and didn't find a whole lot of interest in it, but now at this stage of my life, after nurturing this relationship with Jesus Christ, it's like I can't wait to get to it. I started in Acts and I've been reading about the early church and, and I've, I'm all the way, I do a small group, we're in Galatians and I honestly, it's just, I have a hunger for it. I have a thirst for it to just fill me because that's my relationship with him. We're talking, we're communicating. And then he'll drop a thought in my mind and it's like, wow, that blows my mind because I know that's from God. I know it is. That's a relationship. See, focusing on your relationship with Jesus and nurturing it is the model for every relationship that we'll ever have. We miss it when we think an earthly relationship is gonna be that in our life. See, he reveals who he is and we get to know him better. That is where hope lies. That is where your true, unique, God-given identity lies. You know, we were in Florida and uh, I lost my driver's license. I don't know where, somewhere between the airport and wherever we were, but I had to hop back on a plane and I had no ID. And I started thinking, oh my goodness, somebody's gonna get my driver's license and they're gonna get all my uh, information. And I thought, I'm not gonna be able to get back on. So I started this whole role of like panic and, and, and anxiety, right? 
And it was just like this, the Lord stopped me. And he said, Gay, nobody can steal your identity. <laughs> nobody. Let them try. Because my identity is in Jesus Christ and nobody can take him away from me. I have confidence in him. I know what he's called me to do. And he's called me to, to be in a relationship with him. Uh, somebody told me the other night that they volunteered at Tim Tebow's event. Tim Tebow, you may have known him as a football player, but uh, he did a commercial uh, at, on the Super Bowl for Focus on the Family with his mother. He was a child that they asked the mother to abort. And the mother chose not to abort and it turned out to be Tim Tebow. And you might remember after that commercial aired, his career went down the tubes. I mean, the culture tried to destroy Tim Tebow, but you know what? Tim Tebow is still going strong because his identity was not in football. His identity was in Jesus Christ. And so now he sees value in everybody. He understands the value that God has placed in humanity. And so he's given his life, his purpose is to tell people you're valuable. And so he has these proms for special needs people. And this person that I was talking to volunteered at one the other night. And he was telling me about the different people that he interacted with and encountered. And it was so awesome. It was so amazing. And so when I was preparing this message, across AOL popped up Tim Tebow's uh, little clip. And it made me cry. Watch this. The coolest part of the night is that every single one of you are crowned the king or the queen of the prom. But let me tell you why you're the king or the queen. It's because that's how God looks at you every single day of your life. And that's how God looks at you every single day of your life. My concern is that we're religiously living the rules of what someone told us about us instead of engaging in a personal relationship with the one who holds our true identity. Nobody or nothing can steal that from you. If we had that confidence, not in ourselves, not in our possessions, not in our career, not in our children, not in our talents, not in our intelligence, but if we had that confidence in Jesus, we would be a force in this world that no one would ever have seen before because we're not doing it to prove anything to anybody. It's because we're sold out in a relationship, understanding who he created us to be and what the plan was that he gave to carry out in this world. Some of you are living religiously by the rules of, a, of an abusive home or maybe living by the rules of a religious home that you grew up in and you're still living by those rules in your relationship. That will never change until we learn to be in a relationship and he can show us what relationship and love is truly all about.
It's really time for all of us, and I will never give up on this as long as God has called me to carry out the plan that he's given me to tell you that you are valuable and the only place that you're gonna find your hope and your value and your identity is in a person, Jesus Christ. In a relationship, not in a bunch of rules. And so this song is just a beautiful, beautiful way to finish up our series here, but it doesn't finish up the truth of what we'll live out every day. See, we can choose to live in those old rules and those old lies, or we can choose to stand with God in the truth. And I just wonder if your heart and your mind that God has written inside of us could be activated this morning to begin to receive and accept the truth of who he says you are. So in these last few moments, I don't know how you wanna respond, but I would encourage you to somehow respond to God. Scott Hamilton said, the only disability, the only disability is, um, what was it? Anyway, what I say is, whatever Scott Hamilton said was in the past, what I say is, <laughs> is the only disability is a closed heart and mind. Oh, he said a bad attitude. That's good, that's really good. But what I say is the only disability we have is a closed heart and mind to the truth of God. So listen to this song and respond however you believe God wants you to. Now is everything you think? 
Cause you've had every failure, God, and you'll have every victory. Bottom line is, yes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And the bottom line is if we believe anything that anyone or the world tries to tell us who we are and we don't believe in who Jesus says we are, we will always struggle in our relationship with Christ and with others when we try to find our identity outside of who God says I am. And he says I am a new creation. I am his child. And we need to believe that with all of our hearts. And if we don't know him personally, you know, the problem with so many of us is we grew up religious. And religious means I know about God, but I don't really know him. You know, and that's the difference. Religion says, hey, I know about God. And relationship says, you know what? I know God through his son, Jesus Christ. If you don't have that relationship with him this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the message, to respond to the series what a powerful, powerful message today. Can we just bow our heads? If you'd like to know God through his son, Jesus Christ, not just know about him, but really, really know him, would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, you just pray it in your heart. You can pray it out loud. I don't care how you pray it. Just pray it like you believe it. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Savior, to be my friend. say thank you Jesus thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for me thank you Jesus for forgiving me thank you Jesus for being my savior thank you Jesus thank you Jesus with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed if you made that commitment this morning and you're seriously made that commitment, you prayed that prayer and you sincerely believe that God has forgiven you, that God is your Savior, and you want to make a statement of faith to that today, to say to God and to say to Gay and I, I believe, I believe in Jesus. And I believe he is who 
he says, I am. All of our heads bowed and all of our clothes. Would you just slip up your hand if you prayed that prayer this morning, anybody? Yes, God bless you all, all across the auditorium. It's important you make that faith statement. Yes, young man, I saw your hand. Anybody? Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. You can put them back down. Anybody else? Just say, yes, I prayed that prayer this morning. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes, I see your hand in the back. Praise the Lord. Yes, and over here. Father, thank you so much for your presence here. Father, I thank you for this series, Lord. And I pray, God, that it will live on in our hearts and our lives that we'll remember today that we are more than what this world says we are. We're more than anyone says we are. We are who you say we are. And so, God, as we continue on our journey here at Salem Fields, continue to lead us and guide us. I pray for every person this morning that prayed that prayer. May God it be so true in their hearts today that when they leave here today, they just know that they know that they know that you love them and they know you, Jesus. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for the message. Thank you for your spirit here. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Come back next week. Bring a friend. If you prayed that prayer today and invited Christ, stop at our table right outside these doors. You really need to stop there, okay? Love you and have a great, great day. You say I am love when I can't feel a thing. You say